I feel the need, <laughs> the need for leads. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist. Top Gun references aside, I think a lot of us feel that sugar rush, that high that comes with leads, leads, leads. Gimme, gimme, gimme. More, more, more. I need my leads. Well, our guest today is actually going to talk to us about the value of leads, the real value of leads, where leads could be a sugar rush, where leads could be valuable, and leads could be detrimental to your organization. So today, sit back, listen, as our guest comes in and talks to us about leads, what leads really mean, how to get them, how to value them, how to evaluate them, today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Will. Todd Will. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have Lauren on. I've known Lauren for a number of years. She has this great insight around the idea of leads, the real value of leads. I think everybody wants leads, they want more leads. They stress to put their marketing teams to work to get more leads. But what are you really doing? What are you really getting for them? And are those leads really valuable? And are they ever going to turn into revenue or not? Lauren's the VP of Customer Engagement at Box. She has fantastic credentials, but more than anything, she just has this great perspective, this great voice on this idea of leads, the value of leads, and really what you're trying to do is customer engagement. She's going to walk us through today the idea of leads, walk us through how to engage a customer. And how as a founder to start thinking about things one, two, three horizons at a time. So sit back, take a listen as Lauren walks us through leads, leads, and leads. Hello, Lauren, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So who are you and why are you here? Great question. I ask myself that on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> um, probably a different podcast. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm Lauren Baccarello. Uh, I'm the VP of Customer Engagement at Box. Uh, why am I here? A little bit about me. I am at this point what you would call an old school digital marketer, which is horrifying. Uh, so I'm a 15-year <laughs> marketer. I've uh, been at Box for about three years. For people who aren't familiar with Box, we're a cloud content management company. We have over 80,000 customers, over 63%, 65% of the Fortune 500. Um Really, really great company. I've been here about three years, started off as their VP of marketing, and then changed roles to lead uh, customer engagement. All right. So we're going to have to have you back on a second podcast so that you can be clear on whether that's 63% or 65%. If it's 66%, then I'm just undercutting us right You're there. You're just undercutting. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, good. Well, uh, so, you know, this is, as I teed up, this is a conversation about leads and and I think this is one of the things that um, founders, marketers, really anybody that is working with a go-to-market strategy, marketing, go-to-market teams, really struggles with the idea of leads and what is it, how important is it, where does it fit into the overall mix? So, so let's just kind of start with let's start with this idea of leads. Um, you have a slightly different point of view around leads on how it fits into the overall customer experience. So, so let's start there. Let's start with your view on. Where does leads fit? How do leads fit into this this whole idea of customer experience? Completely. And I mean, I will I will start off and say, as your business is growing, leads are going to be your bread and butter. You need, uh, especially in SaaS businesses, you need that inflow of people to call, to pick up the phone, to sell to. With that said, leads aren't 
the end all be all. They aren't the only thing. And as you're growing, it's so easy to focus on things like activities of how do I get as many leads in so it feels like I'm doing something. And depending on your business, that might not actually be the, the best course of action. I recently talked to a company that I do a little bit of a advisory work with and sat down and they were talking to me about a lead gen strategy and how they can drive all of this top of funnel traffic and how they can drive leads. And I sat down and said, you know, tell me about a little bit more about your product, who you sell to, how big is your audience? And they ended up coming back and saying, actually, our product is pretty niche. Our audience is less than 500 companies will buy us. And I said, well, then why, why are we focused on generating these massive, massive amounts of leads? If your audience is, is 500 companies, you don't need 10,000 leads a month. What you need are really good inroads with these 500 companies and how you're going to approach this is really different. And then I think to all the way to that one individual company whose challenge isn't necessarily leads. It's going to be how do you build a brand? How do you build trust so that those 500 companies choose you? And yes, you still need to get uh, names and leads and information in the door, but there's so much else that happens. And then I think all the way to the uh, to the other side of the spectrum where um, you have companies like Box, you have companies like Salesforce, you have tons and tons of organizations that are these SaaS-based businesses that are, if all we did was focus on leads, we'd be in so many ways cutting ourselves off at the knees. Um, there's this whole push for modern marketers right now, and I love the, the focus on rigor and performance and really making sure marketing contributes to the bottom line. But at the end of the day, if all we do is, is focus on leads and we're not focused on, are they the right quality? Does, is, does the product actually back up what we're promising in our campaigns? And ultimately, what's the experience that we're driving? Um, we, aren't gonna, we aren't going to do enough for the business. Um, and I think a lot right now about this idea of customer experience and customer engagement. So yes, we get the lead in the door. Leads are going to be your, uh, as a terrible analogy, your pawns on the chessboard. They're really important. They're an important piece, but they're not going to be your main strength. It's what you do with it is what you do with not the lead, but the actual person that comes through, through the nurture process, through getting them to become a customer, to providing this exceptional customer experience. So they use your product. They find value. Then they buy more. Then they tell 10 friends. That's, that's really the power uh, so many of us need to focus on how do we unlock so if I can if I can sum up a little bit of what you're thinking here, the the lead is it's transactional, it's a data point, but focusing on that is uh, forest through the trees, right? It's it's not seeing the sort of bigger picture, which is the overall customer experience you're creating. And to your example of the company that had you know 500 key customers, not tens and not tens of thousands. Um, their their approach on what they do with leads, that strategy that they need to establish has to play into what their lead structure is and then has to play into that overall customer experience and all of those things need to be connected. Absolutely. All right, well, that's perfect. Okay, so so now let's let's take that and start turning this into something a little more practical. So I'm sure... Um, you know, there's a founder out there that's heard this, heard what you've just said and goes, 
okay, that's great. Um, I know that I need to do more with my leads. However, I'm trying to drive revenue and I'm trying to build a product mm -hmm. and I'm spinning all these plates and I'm not a marketer. I don't know all of this in and out. So help me, help me through it. So let's, let's put ourselves in their shoes. They've got advisors, people telling them that they need leads, help them think through how do they start figuring out what exactly they do need? Where do they start putting their, their time, effort, and energy? How do they start thinking about this so that it's not just the transaction, it's not just the lead? Absolutely. It's, and I get it. It's the wanting to see, wanting to see your quick hits, wanting to see your, your leading indicators, um, and that sort of uh, almost instant sugar high that you get from, <laughs> from seeing the lead. Because it, it feels good when it comes in, but at the end of the day, you're not going to make any money off of a lead. You're making money off of someone buying your product, using your product, and then hopefully buying more of it. Um, so if I think about the founder comes in and says, all right, my board is telling me I need more leads. I'm growing 7% month over month. Wouldn't that be amazing for all of us? I want to grow 20% month over month. I need to get to the 100%, 100%, 50%, 50% growth, wherever you are. You need more. Initially, great, sit down with your marketing team on what are you doing to drive top line. In fact, who is your audience? Before you do anything, first thing you should do, whether you're a founder, whether you're a marketer, understand who you're targeting, who you're going after. Because if you are a founder pressuring your marketing team to drive just this tidal wave of leads, but your target audience is 500 people, we're focusing on the wrong thing. So before we even talk about leads, Who's your target audience? Who are you going after? How many, how many people, how many companies are there? Assess that because that's also going to dictate what makes more sense from a strategy perspective. If you need to go broad, if you need to go targeted. So say we need to go broad. Let's generate uh, as many leads as possible. Next thing that the founder should sit down and think through and really judge the marketing team on is, What's the messaging? What are we using to convert them? Or what are the different channels, tactics we're using to drive that, that initial, uh, initial influx? But regardless of where uh, marketing sits and sort of where you're going, measuring success on a lead, I hate to use the word always and be very uh, binary, but uh, measuring overall success on a lead is the wrong metric. It's just... I can generate 10,000 leads for you by standing on a corner and saying, hey, everyone who signs up for this program gets a free iPad and do that in front of AT&T Park during a Giants game. I'll get you your 10,000 leads. It's a good Giants game. Uh, <laughs> but that's, those leads aren't going to matter. Uh, they're not going to convert. They're not going to have a great experience. You may get lucky. Uh, so the metric when you're bare minimum when you're thinking about marketing, leads are really for lack of a better word, just a leading indicator. What is this, where are we going, directional? Start looking at that next level down. How do leads turn into opportunities, turn into pipeline? And then how does that pipeline start to convert into ARR, into revenue? So how, how are those leads really converting? And if you're a founder, if you, the company is brand new, you're just building up marketing, it's going to take time to actually build this funnel. You can't flip this on on a dime but have the eye on the prize of what are all the who's your target audience? What's your overall messaging? What are the different tactics that you're going to try to drive that, whether it is advertising, it's webinars, it's content marketing, all the different ways you can think through how do you drive it? 
Okay, are leads being created of those leads and based on the individual channels and messages? Are they converting into opportunities? Are they starting to turn into real pipeline? What's the quality of that? Then what's closing? And what is closing? What's starting to turn into material dollars for the business? If you have a long sales cycle, that's why we have leading indicators so you get directionally correct. And the that's where you will have marketers of various degrees of good to amazing. And really great marketers tend to stop right there. They tend to stop really great marketers if they tell you the only thing you need to care about are leads. I'm going to strongly question if they're a great marketer. Um, if they come in and say, we need to focus on pipeline, we need to focus on it on ARR, what's the quality, they're probably a really great marketer and starting to think through that. Where you're going to get people that are exceptional will be the people that'll say, you know what, I love how much pipeline and ARR we're generating for the business, this is great. But you know what, we want these customers to stay customers forever. So in the first couple of years, you can focus on that, but how do we have our eye on things like customer lifetime value? So after a customer becomes a customer, I'm going to pull this all the way through and say, we got this lead who came in from this message, from this channel, it converted into an opportunity, it turned into, pi that had pipeline associated, it closed, and then after they purchased, this was their onboarding experience. This is how we got them to use our product. This is how we got them to use our product in a sophisticated and differentiated way. This is how we turn them into an advocate by providing this really tailored experience, and by the way, in year one, they were worth a dollar. In year two, they were worth two dollars. In year three, they were worth three dollars. And that doesn't even take into consideration the 10 people that they referred us to. And really exceptional marketers will think through that entire funnel, not just from awareness to lead or from awareness to lead to opportunity or awareness to lead to opportunity to close, but will think that long-term extra step and think it's not just what we sold them, it's about how we delivered. Okay, so there's there was a ton of stuff there. Um, ton of information, and, long way no, to answer. <laughs> no, are you kidding? I mean, this was that was that was fantastic, and and that's the great thing about the podcast. You can always go back and rewind and, and listen to it again. Uh, for for those that of you that are marketers are crappy. Pardon? What was that part where she said marketers that are crappy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what 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 did that? Let's go back. Let's hear that again. Yeah, that'll that'll that's gonna go viral. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be so, good. Anyway. Give me a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the one of the things that I think is interesting is you know uh, for those of you listening, there there's a, a piece that plays to this, which was May Chung's interview on TAM Total Addressable Market yeah. and how to go find how big your market is. And then there was another interview that we did with Mike Moran, who talks about uh, being a data-driven culture and being having data and analytics and how to build that into your organization. And Lauren, what you were talking about actually plays very nicely in between the two of those of finding who's your real market. And then how do you think about becoming a, a, a customer experience-driven company? How do you think about being that as your metric? And you're right, it does take time sometimes it can take you know years to develop that but i think you're spot on of the leads one thing to focus on and again that sugar high is great but having that longer term view of how do we then turn this into building great customers and having those customers as our advocates and using that as the the north star the direction um i, I think is really important for organizations and it was great to hear you uh 
uh, articulate that. So that was that was fantastic. Thank you. So you know, one of the things that I think we can go a little bit a little bit deeper on is this this idea of creating great customers and and the idea of mm-hmm. lifetime value. If if you're helping or you're you know you do some advisory work and you work with um, and certainly you give yourself give time of yourself to you know other organizations and you've been always generous about doing that. When you talk to folks and and they start thinking about yes, but I just need I just need this thing right now, and you start talking to them about this idea of lifetime value, does that resonate with them? And and what what and how do you talk to them to help them see that there's there's real value in thinking about the longer term impact of your customer and not just that quick sugar rush? Completely and honestly, it depends on it depends on the business. It depends on readiness. It's if your business is has three months three months to go with money left in the bank, the last thing you're going to pay attention to is customer lifetime value. It is a wartime peacetime. It is wartime survival. And in that environment, customer lifetime value, keep in the back of your head, but you're, you're trying to get through until tomorrow. And we've all seen businesses, maybe worked at businesses, been around businesses that are in that situation, and you do what you need to do what makes sense for your business at that time. Um, Once you get to be a little bit more established, um, Mm -hmm. not necessarily in the stodgy sense of the word, but you can start thinking a little bit more long-term. That's when it starts to resonate. Um, I am terrible at remembering where I I heard things or where things originated from. Um, And I'm probably going to misquote this, but everyone bear with me on the directional side. Uh, one of the exercises and sort of things that I've done at Box at other companies is you're thinking about things like Horizon 1, Horizon 2, Horizon 3. Uh, remember, directionally accurate, probably not exact. It's a cooking math versus baking math is the analogy I use when I tell stories. Um, so directionally appropriate. Uh, so Horizon 2, what are the short-term things you need to, to do, things in the next six months? Uh, Horizon 2, you start thinking for your business and how you plan for the business on six to let's call it 18 months, horizon three are things you're planning for that'll impact your business in 12 to 24 months. Uh, Some businesses, to be perfectly honest, the only thing they can deal with is the next six months. They can only think through this whole concept of horizon one. It's just all you have time for. Not just you have time for, you have to just get the business up and going. Once you're in a place that you can start to think more long-term about your business, about product roadmap, about where your company is going, you have that degree of stability, that's when this whole idea of customer lifetime value starts to click and make sense. You also need customers <laughs> to have that make sense. So if you're really early stage, it's probably a little bit too early. Um, but I have seen more and more in a lot of the different uh, SaaS businesses that I've spoken with in, say, the last six to 12 months, are starting to switch thinking from just this ARR, how do I drive this sort of immediate revenue growth to how do I think a little bit more holistically? How do I think more about product adoption? How do I think more about experience and driving value for our customers? So me having these conversations 18 months ago probably fell on deaf ears more often. And then in the last six to 12 months with a good half dozen to dozen organizations that I've spoken to, 
this whole push for CLTV, for really thinking about driving a bigger, better customer experience, just seems to be clicking more and more and more with organizations. And uh, CLTV? Oh, sorry, acronym. customer lifetime value. Just just making sure everybody knew. Got it. Yep. Good, good value, um, Jack. <laughs> so, all right, so it, it sounds like your direct sort of counsel, and I think we'll wrap up here in a second because this time goes by very quickly. Um, the direct counsel is, okay, if you're, if you're only able to focus on the six months, if you're only, if you're sort of uh, eating hand to mouth, you don't have a lot of time, it's okay to be very prescriptive and think about the thing that's right in front of you and think just about generating the leads and bringing in revenue. But once you have that uh, stability, when you, you have that mm. more stable platform to work off of, then you can start thinking about those longer term horizons. And I love the way that you laid that out. It doesn't have to be what's our five-year roadmap. It can be what do we want to do over the next 12 months and what does that, that look like? But I think your point is once you get to that, start thinking about the value of the customer and not just the transactional lead and start baking that into your organization from the, from the very first steps that you're able to. Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a really fair assessment. And one of the... Sort of most important things that I think a lot of marketers miss when you're focusing on what can I do to drive a lead and what is the what's the best angle and you have all of these amazing optimization tactics um, whether you call it growth hacking it's just conversion rate optimization where it is what can I do to kind of adjust and tweak and run experiments to to drive behavior uh, and what I've seen time and again is you focus on this you're saying I can change this messaging and drive more leads, or I can change this messaging and actually increase my, my pipeline, my ARR, which seems fantastic. The thing to keep in the back of your head, and I've seen so many marketers miss on this, is make sure that whatever you're, whatever you're pitching, whatever you're selling, whatever your hook is, that you're generating this extra amount of leads, extra amount of pipeline. Make sure that once someone buys your product, you're offering your service, you can actually deliver on whatever the marketing messaging was uh, because it sounds so great if you make this tweak in an ad, but by the way, your product organization doesn't know about it. Your delivery arm, your implementation team doesn't know about this or can't do this. So you'll sell to this customer on this amazing promise and then they'll become a customer and said, won't get value out of it, will end up leaving and turning. And it is so easy just to think about what is the thing right in front of your face. Great, I generated this lead. Great, I generated um, this pipeline. Even if you don't have, you're not in place to focus on long-term customer lifetime value, sanity check things and just, even if it looks like it's generating better numbers, make sure you can actually deliver on that promise. Otherwise, it'll be a pain tomorrow. Good, good final, good final push. Um, I, I think the the last thing, and we'll we'll keep this somewhat brief, but just I think one of the things I hear from from folks is, okay, great, I I buy into all of it. Um, I probably can't steal Lauren away from Box. So how do I find somebody who can do this for me? What's the what's the makeup of a person? What things should I look for if I'm thinking of somebody who can think like this? What are some things that I want to hear from somebody that helps me say, uh, you know what, you're the person for the job? 
Great, great question. Uh, good things, traits that I, I will always hire for and tend to look for. Uh, the first thing is hustle. I, I don't care what level you're at, what school you went to, where you at. Do you have that? Do you have that hustle, that curiosity, that ability, that desire to go in and try something different, to tinker, to, to dig in and figure it out? Because what works today probably won't work tomorrow, definitely won't work next week. So you need someone that has that sense of agility and adaptability um, as sort of the table stakes. If you can, what's interesting about this space, about lead generation, about performance marketing, about growth or growth hacking or whatever the uh, phrase du jour is, the things that remain consistent, the people who are really good and the things that remain consistent is the you're a little bit art and you're a little bit science. You are creative, but you like the data and you like the numbers, not because the data and the numbers dictate action, but because that makes you, gives you more information to make you be a little bit more creative and they, they feed each other really nicely. Um, the other thing to think through, uh, to ask for and just to get is customer empathy. Uh, again, Going back to the, you can drive all the leads that are possible and even a decent amount of pipeline, but you can do it by selling something you can't deliver on. If you don't have customer empathy, that's the thing you will miss really, really quickly. Uh, if all you do is look at spreadsheets, you're going to miss that bit of customer empathy. So try to dig in for, for that, uh, and you'll start to find people that have that potential to be exceptional. Wow, that was that was great. Uh, what a so great like three sort of traits, character traits, um, uh, points of view to to look at mm -hmm. for bringing somebody on to help you think through this. So, Lauren, thank you for for everything. This was just a fantastic conversation. Um, like I said, this time goes by really quickly, so we're going to have to end here. I know we could end up talking and, and really getting into the, the details for you know another hour or so, but I'm going to let you off the hook and we'll we'll call it a day. Um, let me know when you decide to uh, do a Legion program giving out iPads at a Giants game. I will be the first one in line to get my free iPad. And um, and thank you for for hopping on. It was it was really great to hear your point of view and talk about customer experience, talk about that overall lifetime value and seeing that bigger picture. Um, acknowledging, I think, which is which is really key, acknowledging that there are times when you can't think about that longer term horizon that you're in battle fatigue mode. And it's okay to do what you need to do to survive. But once you get out of that, to start raising your head up and looking at that, again, that horizon view was, was such a great analogy. And then, you know, to end off with the, the couple of key traits on, on how to look for somebody who's going to help you along this, this path. And, and it's not always about what's on their resume. Sometimes it's just about their point of view, their perspective, that philosophy is so key. So again, thank you for, for hopping on the, the podcast today. Very appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Well, that was fantastic. I love Lauren's perspective, her voice in this. I love her rational thinking and how she takes us through this idea of leads and what leads can really mean for the business. What's the value we're trying to create? Her insights are spot on. And I love her perspective. I love this point of view that you don't have to have this long-term perspective if you're just trying to get through the next 24 hours and trying to make payroll. You can start thinking about the things that are immediately in front of you and over time start to think about those longer-term horizons. Super practical. So with that, 
If you'd like to follow Lauren, you can do so on Twitter, and that's Lauren V. You can also follow her on her website. She's at box.com and on LinkedIn at Lauren Vaccarello. If you'd like to follow us, well, by all means, we'd love to have you read the book. The book's now available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and it's called Beyond Product. We're at foundersplace.co. It's a place where exceptional founders grow. You can listen to us on the podcast, subscribe to the website, or follow me on social media. So with that, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.